You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit and it comes only when we are abiding in Christ, praying, seeking Him, and listening to His voice. I know that many of you pray and I love the fact that you pray, but after you pray, do you listen? After you put your request before God, after you sit before Him, after you read a passage, do you listen to what He wants to say? Because prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. God wants to speak to you. Have you ever been deceived by the enemy? Maybe he convinced you to compromise what you know is right, which ended badly. The enemy will use lies to try and keep you from the great things that God has for you. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you how to discern the enemy's lies from God's voice. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6 as he begins his message, Be watchful of our enemy, he speaks only lies. Be watchful, our enemy speaks only lies. So, most gracious Father, we come to you now. We pray, Lord, that you would settle our heart. Pray, Lord, that you would settle our heart, open our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have for us today through this incredible chapter, Father God, as we can glean and learn from Nehemiah, not only how to be a leader, but how to be a Christian and how to walk circumspectly in the love of God. So, Lord, thank you for all you are and all you do. Bless these saints abundantly today with your love, Father God. Pour it out upon them, each one of them, Lord. So, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you've been with us, for our studies in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is an incredible leader. He really is an incredible leader. He has been called by God to go back to Jerusalem and restore the walls and the gates of the city that were in disrepair. You remember, years and years and years and years and years before that, Jerusalem, Judah, and Benjamin were carried away to Babylon. And after 70 years, they were coming back. And remember, we studied Ezra, how he was the first group to come back and how they rebuilt the temple and all the things that went on there. And now years later, Nehemiah prays and the Lord leads him to ask Artaxerxes if he can go and now restore the walls because he hears from his brother that the walls of Jerusalem were in disrepair. So here, the Lord uses Nehemiah and sends him, but the Lord also uses Artaxerxes. Because remember, when Artaxerxes wrote the letter, giving Nehemiah permission to travel back to Jerusalem and begin constructing with the wall, that was like taking an hourglass and turning it over and starting a time. The time would then begin to tick. Till when? Till Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Remember the prophet Daniel. Artaxerxes writes the letter. And that starts the time ticking. And 483 years later, to the very day, Jesus on a donkey rides into Jerusalem and he's hailed as king. We call it Palm Sunday. So it's a very, very important thing that happened here with Artaxerxes. And the Lord is using a Gentile. 
He's using a Gentile to set his time clock for the appearance to Jerusalem of their Messiah. Under Nehemiah's incredible leadership now, the people completed the rebuilding of the walls. They withstood the enemy's attacks. And we talked about the enemy's attacks, the ridicule. They called them bad names and they tried to ridicule them. They tried to discourage them. And fear was thrown at them. They caused them to fear. We talked about fear being the opposite of faith. And fear was the enemy of faith because when we're afraid, our faith seems to quell down. But we know that the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. We know that. And all along, they withstood the enemy's attack. They withstood the enemy's attack. And then when the enemy couldn't get them from outside, he changed tactics and came from within. From within the group, he started having people complaining because they were selfish. I want what that guy has. How come I can't build that wall? How come you like him better than me? How come he's getting this? And they started to complain and bicker among themselves. And the more the enemy came at them, the more Nehemiah prayed. I love this guy. The more Nehemiah prayed, he was a man of prayer and he constantly prays. And throughout his book, we read of his little prayers. And we're going to read a couple today. And I love this. The more the enemy came, the more they prayed. And guess what happened? The more they prayed, the more they were victorious over the enemy. Go figure. The more they prayed, the more they defeated the enemy. I love that. But the only thing that remained to be completed was the restoration of the gates. Now, these big wooden gates, there's a bunch of them around the city. Remember, they started with the sheep gate, and they went around to the strengthening of the community also behind the gate. So they had to put the gates in place, and then they had to strengthen the community in God's word, which we're going to get to when we get to chapter 8. It's all about God's word. Well, Sanballat, I was trying to think about that name, Sam Ballard. Who names your kid Sam Ballard? I don't know. Anyhow, Sam Ballard and his guys failed miserably at every attempt to keep the people from working. The only thing they had left to do, there's only one thing they could possibly do. Let's kill Nehemiah. Let's get rid of him. If we get rid of the leader, the people are going to scatter. If we get rid of him and discredit him, we could gain the necessary place and we can probably conquer the city. Let's get rid of him. Anyone who is in ministry, must face the pressures that come with the position that you are in ministry. There's an outside battle to face in ministry, and more deadly is the internal battle that takes place from within the walls. People you love, people you fellowship with, people you break bread with, all of a sudden things happen, and out of nowhere, problems happen. Why? Because our enemy is a master at deception. He is a master at deception, and he speaks nothing but lies. Satan either comes two ways. He either comes as a lion who wants to devour you, or he comes as a serpent. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 11.3 or 1 Peter 5.8. One commentator said this, I like this, quote, if Satan can cripple the Christian leader, he can cripple the whole ministry and discredit the cause of Christ. And this was what Satan wants to do. He wants to keep us down. He doesn't want us proclaiming the gospel. He doesn't want us raising our hand during worship. He doesn't want us proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ out there where it counts. He doesn't want us to do that because he knows the results and he knows what happens when people get together and declare God's word. He knows hearts change and he knows he loses. He doesn't want that to happen. What's needed 
constant prayer. Constant prayer is the key to successfully derailing Satan when he comes around. The word of God. How did Jesus defeat Satan in the wilderness? It is written. Three times when Satan came at him, Jesus came and said, it is written. When you put on the full armor of God, then you stand against the wiry ways of the enemy. The full armor of God on through prayer, and you can withstand his barrage of lies, his constant lies that he throws at you all the time. Nehemiah's enemies wanted to instill fear, not only in his heart, but the heart of the people as well. Our enemy knows that fear destroys your faith and can paralyze your life. Fear can paralyze you to keep you from doing anything. We must be ever steadfast and immovable in our faith You know the scripture, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work in the Lord is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. So as we come to chapter 6, once again, he changes tactics again. He's forever changing his tactics. But you know, the old serpent, the old dragon, he don't got too many bags of tricks. He only has certain tricks. Why do you think he keeps using them? Because they work. Because <laughs> they work. Absolutely. He keeps using them because we see the fall for them all the time. He works. He uses them time and time again. And as we look, the enemy, the first thing he uses in this chapter is compromise. He uses the tactic of compromise. In other words, we want to work with you. Yeah, yeah. We'll help you. We want to help you destroy, th- uh, build things. Oh, did we say destroy? No, no. We want to help you build things. That's what they do. Look at verses one through four. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, Arab, I wonder why they always call him Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sambalat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messages to them saying, I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Up to this point, Sam Ballard and all his gang, they opposed everything that the Jews did. They opposed everything they did from the get-go. Remember, they started opposing Ezra when Ezra came back. They opposed it and opposed it and opposed it. And now all of a sudden, Out of nowhere, they come and say, we want to help. We want to help. This is an extremely dangerous ploy by the enemy. This is a dangerous ploy. And he continues to use this tactic. You know what tactic it is? Come on, you've heard it before. If you can't beat them, join them. Absolutely. Can't beat them, join them. Become one of them. Speak Christianese. Get to know them. Come in there. And talk all the things. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. Get to know the people. But silently you're going, hey, you know, I have this thing you need to know. I have this thing you need to know. And you're cutting out people and you're praying on the weak. It's a dangerous ploy. And then they want to take over. Sounds real nice. Come on out. Let's do lunch. Let's get a cappuccino together. Come on. Come on out. Or maybe you like espresso. Come on out. We'll have a good time together. Come on. Let's be. Come on. Be neighborly. Come on, fella. Anytime. The enemy gets a foothold in a ministry. He begins to work from within and weakens things. He starts to weaken the structure of the ministry. And he does it 
through compromise. Little by little compromises that we make. Oh, he's a good brother. He means well. We'll let him do this or we'll let him do that. And there's little cracks in the dam. Remember, I'll say it one more time. Satan is the master deceiver. He will lie right to your face and make it seem like the truth. He'll lie right to your face and make it seem like the truth. He will twist God's word and make you begin to compromise the truth. He adds just enough truth to throw you off. In every lie, there's a little bit of truth. And he loves to take a little bit of truth and expand it with a huge lie. He adds just enough lie to get your word. What he wants you to do is start to question God's word. Huh, that sounds familiar, right? Genesis, has God really said you'll die? God didn't say you'll die. God knows that if you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. You'll know the difference between good and evil. And Eve started to think, yeah, well, I want to be like God. I want to do that, yeah. So he makes that. One commentator said this, quote, when you invite the devil to join your team, expect him to change the rules and the goals and expect to be defeated. How do you keep the devil from joining your team? How do you know who is the devil and who's not? There's a word. It's a spiritual gift. Anybody know what it is? Discernment. Discernment. You need to be in prayer. You need to have discernment in your heart to discern what is being said. If you're in prayer and constant communication with God, as you're communicating with him and something happens, you bring it before God and God will reveal the situation to you. If you're communicating with God, if you're not communicating with God, if you don't have that one-on-one relationship with God, and you won't have that discernment. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's a wonderful thing. So Nehemiah's enemies invited him to lunch, but he was on to them, as we read in verse 2b. But they wanted to do me harm. They wanted to hurt me, he says. They wanted to do me harm. Nehemiah rejects their offers for a couple of reasons. Number one, he knew they were lying. And he wanted only to kill them. And again, this is great spiritual discernment. He had the spiritual discernment. And I'll say it again. Spiritual discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it comes only when we are abiding in Christ, praying, seeking him, and listening to his voice. I know that many of you pray. And I love the fact that you pray. But after you pray, do you listen? After you put your request before God, after you sit before him, after you read a passage, do you listen to what he wants to say? Because prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. God wants to speak to you. God wants to show you great things. He wants to use you to do incredible things. But we have to be aware of him, listening to him, abiding in him, hearing his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So we should know the voice of Christ when he speaks to our hearts and he opens up our hearts to us. Discernment is extremely important, especially if you're in any kind of ministry, especially when you're out giving God's word. You may be tapped on the shoulder and the Lord will tell you, get away from this person. You need discernment. We all need discernment. Secondly, Nehemiah was convinced of the greatness of the work God had given him to do, and I love that. I love that in verse three. I'm doing a great work. (laughs) I'm doing a great work that I cannot come down. Why should I come down there and leave what I'm doing here? Why should I do that? He wasn't going to be distracted from the work the Lord had called him to do. And this is another one of Satan's big ploys. He loves to pile you with so many things that you have to do that you become distracted of what he's called you to do. 
There are so many things when you're dealing with it. There's so many things going on, you become distracted. Come on. You can't tell me that every time you sit down to read the Bible or pray, something happens. Phone call, thank you. Phone rings, whatever. I loved my dog. I did love my Macy. She was great. But you know, every time I sat down to read the word, she'd jump on my lap. Now, luckily, she would just lie there and let me read the word. But still, it was a distraction. Anytime you do that, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray. And you start to pray. And there's distractions all over. Your mind starts to wander. At least mine does. Your mind starts to wander on all the things that you have to do. So it's very, very important that you're not distracted with the work God has called you to do. We're called to believe, and you can get distracted from believing. You can get distracted from even believing. Remember the guy? Your son is going to be healed if you would believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief because it seeps in at the craziest times. If he allowed himself to be distracted and detoured from the work of God that he had called him to accomplish... The people wouldn't have any leadership. Pressure to compromise can be a distraction. The world offers us so many things, so many things that seem to be good. But we must ever be careful about compromise. We must ever be careful to look to see what's happening. Thirdly, the Jews had nothing in common with these guys. These guys were Gentiles. The Jews had absolutely nothing in common. There was no basis for cooperation. Nehemiah made this perfectly clear back in chapter 2. In verse 20, let's look at that. In chapter 2, in verse 20, he said, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. They had nothing in common with these guys. Why would they do this? Why would you combine it? Light has no commonality with darkness. We shouldn't be connecting ourselves with darkness. Light has no commonality there. We have to be ever careful. It takes discernment. Being a child of God makes us different from other people. Being a child of God makes us different from other people. We must remember that. We must maintain our separated position. Not that we can't minister them. I'm not saying that. But we need to be careful. Don't be unequally yoked. Many people use that specifically just for a marriage or a relationship. That's true. But we have to be careful being unequally yoked with our buddies and our friends who would pull us down, who would distract from us and take us backwards instead of forwards. we got to be ever careful. Don't give in. Don't give in. Thing. Well, you know what? If, if, if I have a problem with alcohol, so if I go to the bar, I won't drink and I'll win people for Christ. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. I have a problem with gambling. I'm not going to go to the casino and go, hey, hear about Christ here, unless the Lord sends me. Now, if the Lord tells me to go there, that's a different story. He'll give me the power to do it. But some people think, well, I'm just going to do that. We had spoken about Nehemiah's determination. This guy was determined. I love his determination. He's such a model for me as a leader. He's such a model for me. And now he grazed not only great determination, but discernment as well. He refused to be influenced by these flimsy offers of peace. He refused to be influenced by these guys. And that takes a lot. That really does. You've got to be so close to the Lord. You've got to be just wrapped up in the Lord in these things. That's why we always tell you, abide in Christ. Stay close to Christ. Be in prayer. Be in fellowship. Read his word. Get involved. Help others. You've got to be really close to the Lord. When these things come to you, you can withstand them. You can be built up and you can withstand them. If their offer was wrong thing to do the first time they mention it, why would it get better over time? Some of us think that the more we ask somebody the same thing, they'll eventually give in and say, oh, okay. No, if it was wrong then, it's going to be wrong forever. So in verse 5 to 9, there's another tactic. 
There's another tactic. Let's read. Then Samballot sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations to Geshem, says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have anointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be purported to the king, so come therefore and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. Huh. Huh. How many of us invent things in our own heart? How many of us invent things? We want things so bad we invent them in our heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying, their hands will be weakened in their work. It will not be done. The new tactic, the new tactic, rumors. Let's spread rumors about them. Yeah, that'll do it. We'll spread rumors about them. We'll discredit them. We'll talk to everybody. What were they accusing Nehemiah of? Does anybody know the big word? It's called sedition that he was going to overthrow the king. He was going to become king in Jerusalem. And this would be a huge mistake if he ever did that. This would be a huge mistake. And Nehemiah knew that. They hinted that they were writing letters to stuff. Now, take a page from what happened in Ezra 4. Remember what happened in Ezra 4 when the letters came against them? What happened in Ezra 4? Anybody remember what happened? They stopped doing what? Work. They stopped building the temple. It worked. These rumors came forth and they stopped building the temple. So Nehemiah refused to be stopped. Sedition is an extremely serious charge. In fact, you know somebody very well who was accused of sedition. His name is Jesus. In Luke 23, verses 1 through 5, he was accused of sedition. It's one of the things they had against him. These letters that were being sent were not only insulting, but they were intimidating. Sam Ballot was trying to undermine Nehemiah's reputation and authority. If the Jews believed what was written, Nehemiah's enemy would then gather together and create further divisions. Rumors. Rumors can destroy a ministry. Rumors can destroy a person. Rumors can destroy a church. Oh, did you hear what Pastor Dave said? You didn't? Well, let me tell you. He said this. He said that. He did this. He did that. They create division. I can't believe he did that. How about that? They say, you know, the old they say. I've always wanted to know who are they. You know, they say. I always wanted to know who they were. Someone I find out, tell me who that is. There's nothing worse than gossip mongering. You like that word? <laughs> gossip mongering. That's a neat word. I like that. People who hover around like vultures, waiting for tiny tidbits of slander so that they can use. They chew on this tidbit, they swallow it, and then they find one of their buddies and they regurgitate it like a vulture and tell them the story. Oh, you know what I found out? Oh, listen to this. Did you know what Pastor Dave did this time? <laughs> you all think I'm crazy. I am. I don't know. It's great. I don't care. But they're looking for somebody who has unsuspecting ears. They're looking for somebody who will give them attention and go, really? Ooh, really? You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching from the book of Nehemiah and sharing the story of how the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt through Nehemiah's great leadership and the blessing of the Lord. Once the wall was fully rebuilt, the people came together for one specific purpose— 
We read about it in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3, which says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The first thing the people did when the work was complete was to turn to God's word. The work was all done under the direction and protection of God, and going to his word when it was done brought God glory. When you're done with the work, don't forget to worship. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. If you want to hear more teachings from Pastor Dave, simply head on over to assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. You'll find archived teachings and links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. And with that, we'll see you next time on Assure Hope.